Good morning, good evening, or good afternoon, traders, wherever you may be on planet Earth. We're coming at you with the 54th episode of the Performante Podcast. It is May 24th, 2021, and we have got a jam-packed episode for you here, starting off with some Elon action. He's been wild and out on Twitter. Uh, we got a basically an emergency meeting with a new Bitcoin mining council, and we got some uh, news about our favorite macro investor and his thoughts on Bitcoin. And we're going to be finishing it off a little bit more technical, talking about some on-chain analytics that have been really interesting because this past week in May has been absolute insanity for Bitcoin. So lots of key metrics to talk about. And so just to jump on it, I'll pass it on over to Keith. Thanks for tuning in. Awesome. Well, thank you again for tuning in. We're going to jump right into Elon Musk's Twitter. He's been uh, tweeting some interesting things. One of them, he's mentioned that if you'd like to help develop Doge, the overall project, please submit ideas on GitHub. And then he put a little quote there to his Reddit and uh, the GitHub. So it's a pretty uh, ongoing continuation of him actually not only jokingly promoting Doge, but going out his way to potentially actually put some time and effort from his end into being able to create it into a project that people actually use and utilize. I don't think it's going to be coming into fruition, but we'll see how it goes. Another thing that we did talk about here is he actually spoke with the North American Bitcoin Miner Association or Council, I should say, and they had a conversation about the renewable usage and renewable energies that they are using to actually mine BTC instead of um, the the opposite way where you're actually going to be hurting the environment and not really using the renewable energy sources that we do have plentiful of. So we'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, he did have the conversation with them, including Michael Saylor, the CEO of MicroStrategy, the kind of first main institutional uh, company or institutional fund to some degree, where he was the first CEO to really put a lot of his treasury for his company in BTC because he saw it as a better store of value than the US dollar. And then a lot of businesses followed suit. So he kind of created the meeting overall. Um, he did have a conversation with the North American Bitcoin mining industry, BTC mining industry, and he was kind of talking to Elon because he initially had that uh, tweet, hopefully you do recall, um, talking about the negative impacts uh, environmentally. And MicroStrategy CEO was talking about how there are they are now moving into more environmentally sustainable ways to mine BTC, as well as obviously with the proof of stake kind of overtaking with Ethereum and Binance Smart Chain, I think it's going to be moving into a better kind of area for that sector. But it's great to see that people are kind of steering Elon in the right direction. He has been, I guess you could say, wilding out, hasn't had his beds, whatever you want to say it. But um, yeah, he's been kind of uh, more eccentric. I'm not really sure what the right way to put it would be, but um, he's definitely really showing his true characteristics and love for Doge on Twitter. And I think the right people like Mr. Um, uh, the CEO of uh, Mr. Sailor, CEO of MicroStrategy, is pointing him in the right direction. Yeah, 100%. I feel like Elon is acting like a little kid and his caretakers are uh, stepping in to keep him under wraps. It's interesting to see that kind of dialogue happen between Elon and Michael Saylor because at one point I feel like they were like the Batman and Robin of the cryptocurrency world 
uh, but now it seems specifically with that comment that Elon Musk made a couple of weeks back about the green energy concerns about Bitcoin, kind of seems like the two have started to butt heads and become a little bit more antagonistic of each other. So I guess so much for that Bitcoin and Robin relationship. And so the next point we want to talk about here is coming from one of our long-term favorite investors, Ray Dalio. He's written a wonderful set of books. He is a global leader when it comes to portfolio management, and he created the world's largest hedge fund, Bridgewater Associates. And he's, a, he's always been kind of a little bit hot and cold with uh, Bitcoin, sometimes showing it some attention, recognizing it as a means of exchange, and other times saying it's too volatile, too speculative, or governments will ban it outright. But in a pre-recorded interview, it came to light that he actually owns some Bitcoin. Uh, he didn't say how much, and he didn't say that if it was uh, like a complete speculation or if he actually believed in the asset. But at the end of the day, he owned some. And when the interviewer probed him more, he came to the statement that uh, he likes it more than bonds at this moment in time because he has been uh, vocalizing how low bond yield is. And ultimately, it's his view that he would rather own Bitcoin than kind of government bonds and thinks that could be a trend that continues where people are speculating in cryptocurrency rather than bonds because of such greater risk reward. And ultimately, I think one of the final comments he had to say is that Bitcoin's greatest risk is its success. And ultimately, the kind of bigger of an asset it becomes, the more attractive it is going to become from a regulatory standpoint, a taxation standpoint, and overall like the government institutional viewpoint as they develop their CBDCs. We even had a comment from Jay Powell this past week, speaking of just how crazy May has been that the US Fed is going to be doing research on a CBDC, its feasibility, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think Dalio ultimately is concerned about how Bitcoin intersects with other major nation, with other major national regulations, as well as central bank digital currencies. But at the end of the day, Dalio would rather have Bitcoin than bonds. Yeah, it's really great to see him cross over. And it's not just him. A lot of major institutional figures are at least warming up to the idea of Bitcoin, own some Bitcoin, or actually even promoting it to a point where they are telling their friends, family, the press that uh, it does have value. And it's basically similar to a gold 2.0 digitally. And Ray Dalio did actually mention that within that same interview, where Ray Dalio said that if large capital flows come out of the bond market and then funnel into BTC, that could, or, or overall cryptocurrency market, mainly the main uh, market cap coins like Bitcoin and Ethereum, that could cause an existential crisis potentially because governments lose power. And what organization or entity likes less power when they have oh so much of it? Being able to print uh, value out of thin air is probably the most power powerful thing you can have as a entity as a um, group of individuals. So we do see that shift coming into fruition. Um, it, it is happening. And that is Ray Dalio's biggest concern is that's what he means when he says Bitcoin's greatest risk is its successes. If that is something that will happen in the future where people aren't looking to store their wealth instead of bonds where at this point they're creating basically no yield. Let's say 50 years ago, there was an actual yield that you could generate through bonds so it would make more sense but at this point right now 
that's why he's saying that you know with inflation at least bitcoin can generate some potential upside if you're holding for a long time it could generate massive upside there is significant risk associated to the downside but you know you're going to be losing money buying bonds so at least there's some potential upside is probably how a lot of people are viewing it um, and then also kind of talking about gold and btc it's pretty unbelievable to see an individual as successful as him in the financial world compare gold to bitcoin because that was a dream even a handful of years ago but at this point it is cemented as a truly safe haven asset in the digital realm which is pretty unbelievable that we've come to this point i, I don't think anyone can deny that at this point for bitcoin and then um kind of moving on to the next topic of discussion another major figurehead in the financial world a little less so uh, more institutional level this would be more like the retail level just being able to um, allow people to be more financially literate in their own life this would be robert kiyosaki from rich dad poor dad he's recently telling everyone to urge to buy the dip and he says stop whining and take action i completely agree and we'll get a little bit more into the analytics of some new cryptocurrency holders in the on-chain analysis a little bit later on in this video but a lot of people are complaining whining they bought their favorite alt they bought some meme coin it's down plus 50 percent and they think that the world is over their investment is just completely gone and that only is the case if you sell we posted a um, photo recently on our Instagram going over the 2016 to end of 2018 bull run and then how we've had that very strong 50% move to the downside. Well, we're seeing that right now, but uh, I was reading on a post, I guess a two, three days ago, where it kind of makes sense why we're seeing more volatility to the downside compared to previous bull runs is because there is more options to leverage trade compared to there was back then. Like you could let you could 50 or 100x leverage almost anywhere on any exchange at this point and novice traders are taking advantage of that cuz they just look at the multiplier and they think, "Oh, okay, well, as long as it keeps on going up, I can just make more money." Where I'm sure they've recently found out um during the month of May that it's not always the case that Bitcoin and altcoins go up. Yeah, 100%. I think this crash in May has really humbled a lot of the newer investors and made them realize that they're not in Kansas anymore. And that at the end of the day, cryptocurrency is an extremely savage market. We've been following some of these on-chain analytics. Glassnode has a wonderful service for following this. And uh, we just wanted to share some of the more interesting ones that we found during our research. Uh, first one is an on-chain analytic that uh, basically showed week 21, the high was $59,463 and the 21 low was 31,000. That was a change of $28,000 or 47.3% to the downside in one week. Now the important question is why has crypto been so bearish? Obviously, it's multifactorial, and you can never just point like one causative reason why Bitcoin goes down because it's never that simple, especially with such a sustained push to the downside. Ultimately, I think the Elon FUD definitely contributed, although he is kind of flipping around. Who knows what will happen with that? There is some uh, fear and uncertainty about Tether and uh, their solvency. Obviously, there is the news about China banning. 
there is regulatory FUD saying that wallets might be tracked by the IRS. There was even stories about how it was used for crime more often. Ultimately, when it comes to how Bitcoin specifically is portrayed in the media, this was a terrible week. There were so many uh, poor news stories that came to light and really affected the markets. And another absolutely insane analytic is called Bitcoin's realized loss. And it's basically just a summation of how much money has been removed from the market based on who is realizing the losses. So in March 2020, the COVID crash when Bitcoin bottomed at like 3,400 USD, there was two days of 1.43 billion. So combined 2.86 billion removed in market cap from closed loss trades in two days. With this put dumped down over one week, there was $14.25 billion in realized losses, which is absolute insanity. That is the largest in history by far, and ultimately really just affirms that beginner traders, beginner investors really got their tree shaken, paper hands to out of the market and couldn't take the volatility of this speculative asset. Totally. And just to give you a little bit of a comparison, looking at 2020 during the COVID crash that we saw in March, we are well over double what that uh, liquidation amount was during that same period um, of, of around that week period where we had 14.2 billion in realized losses. So if you saw if you thought that the 2020 COVID crash was bad for the overall cryptocurrency market where Bitcoin fell over 50% in a single day. That was the biggest daily candle to the downside we've ever seen. Um, <laughs> this is uh, comparable, if not more. The volatility is not as significant in terms of short-term volatility that we saw in 2020. But in terms of distance, it's very comparable. But the amount of people that have recently entered the market, probably above the 40K range, um, just don't have the patience, don't have the confidence that Bitcoin will rebound. And this is a really good or a really, um, I guess you could say, sad, unfortunate chart that really represents that information well. And going and talking a little bit more on the profit loss, we can see that the next chart that we'll talk about a little bit is the net unrealized profit and loss. And as of right now, there is over 50% of people basically that are just at the break-even point, which means that there's only 50% of people that are green. Not even significantly, but just green. And the other 50% are actually in a loss, which means that any single person above, let's say, $40,000, which would be 50% of the open trades are in red. That's a significant amount of people. Just last month, you can be safe to say, over 95 because if it's at an all-time high every single person who longed is now in green and if it's at an all-time high 95 percent of people if not 100 percent of the people who are long were profitable and now it's 50 percent so massive amounts of fear massive amounts of uncertainty i think those two clear analytical numbers in, in terms of the the pure unrealized and realized losses uh, for the 14.2 billion but the percentages of the amount of people that were positive just a month ago, everyone's euphoric, everyone's feeling great because their investment is up, all altcoins are just absolutely flying to 
everyone's down, a lot of people over 50% or if not 50% of the people that have open positions are now in the red, really, really clearly illustrates that we are in a dip, yes, but this is the time to buy when there's max fear in the market, when there's blood on the streets, and we definitely see that right now. So the last uh, chart that we'll talk to you on is the Bitcoin spent output age bands. Um, and this is a chart that shows the increase or decrease in the transactions depending on the um, when the account or when the address is opened or when the wallet is opened. And we can see there is multiple charts. There's like a three to th three to six month old chart or coin that they recently bought three to six months ago. And then we have the one to three month old uh, coins that have just recently purchased Bitcoin. And we can see this has been the most amount of transactions that we've seen um, really since April, or sorry, January of 2021. So since the start of the new year, this is the most amount of transactions we've seen in brand new accounts or brand new wallets, which means that in short, the brand new investors and traders that have recently purchased Bitcoin are the ones mainly selling. Whereas the longer term investors that have held throughout the years, throughout the bear market in 2018 and 2019, the consolidation, those are the individuals and traders and investors that are being a little bit more patient, being a lot more disciplined and understanding that we are still in a bull market. Yeah, 100%. I think the real ones who have been around through a couple of flash crashes understand the grand scheme of things. When the going gets tough, that's when you empty the bank account. At the end of the day, these are the tax where you kind of got a diamond hands it through, assuming you are a long-term investor in this asset and you believe in its ability to invade a larger market cap or get a larger market share. And so, and on that bombshell, we will end that this was the 54th episode. It happened on the 24th of May. I appreciate the time you've taken. I'll pass it on over to Keith. Awesome. Well, like uh, Nathan said, thank you very much for tuning in. We really appreciate you enjoying and um, being a part of our community, being able to kind of explain how the market works and being able to kind of bounce ideas off of people is something that we absolutely enjoy and love. So thank you very much. Hopefully you have a good start to your week. And until next time, have a good one, traders.